0: You are listening to a podcast from The National. We've been trying to build up a story over the last few months that 2017 is a watershed moment for e-commerce and the digital economy in the UAE and wider region. A lot of this has been triggered by uh, earlier this year when Amazon bought Souk, and we said the Amazon effect was coming and the, there would be a constant ripple as a result of that. And perhaps that has borne out. But we would really like to know how much has this growth really taken hold? And perhaps the best way is to go to those that are at the heart of the infrastructure of an industry like e-commerce. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, the National's Assistant Editor-in-Chief, and this is the Business Extra podcast from Newsroom in Abu Dhabi. This episode is about how e-commerce and the digital economy really is taking hold in 2017. Earlier, I caught up with Sirish Kumar, chief executive and co-founder of Teller, a digital payments company, payments gateway, if you like. They've been around since 2014, are present in Singapore, the UAE, Saudi Arabia, and most recently in India. I spoke to Sirish on the phone in Singapore, and he told me how this really is a watershed moment for e-commerce. Do you you describe Teller as a digital payments company?
1: (laughs) Teller as an enabler to, to promote uh, digitization uh, and, and there's an ecosystem that, uh, that is being formed. Uh, and I think that Teller is an, eco, uh, is an enabler of that digital ecosystem. Uh, and uh, more importantly, what it means also is that uh, the front-end offering uh, for, uh, for the merchants particularly or for the online entrepreneurs is to, is to ensure that they are able to accept uh, payments uh, from anywhere in the world in any currency uh, and whether it is through social media, whether it is through mobile app or through the website.
0: I mean, I want to pick up on uh, some of the things you touched upon such as social media and and the merchants but just just so that the people out there who might not be familiar with with Teller um you you sure. you are a payments gateway uh for online digital payments mobile uh you, you know as, as well as uh regular online um we I think you could also be described as a fintech company as well
1: That's correct um because because uh, if you split the word fin and tech uh, what it's basically meaning is we're offering um, the services uh, which enable payments to be done. Of course, leveraging technology. So, hence, I would I would uh, term this as a fintech
0: company as well. I mean, one of the reasons why I was keen to talk to you, Sirish is because uh, you, you sort of sit in the middle, right, of, as you said, this sort of digital ecosystem and I really wanted to get your insight into how that's growing. So, you've got a base in Singapore, you're active in the UAE, you're active in Saudi Arabia, you're most recently active in India, so you've got a really good perception of um, how the different markets are working in terms of uh, the digital economy uh, and particularly where e-commerce is concerned. Um, so, it's, it's sort of interesting from your point of, point of view, is all all the chatter that sort of this year seems to be a benchmark year for e-commerce. Does that bear out in what you're seeing?
1: Um, I would absolutely agree with you, Mr. on this. Uh, if you really go back to to the reason why Teller was born and where it's going, uh, there is, there is a, a emerging market play that is uh, gaining prominence uh, from a perspective of leapfrogging uh, from one stage to another stage, and as you have always seen, emerging markets tend to uh, not necessarily reinvent the wheel, which you've seen in the in the other developed and mature economies, but they would rather look at what's relevant. And there are two, three steps which are kind of uh, you know ignored, and then there is a leapfrogging that happens. Uh, and what has happened in the last, particularly in the last 12 to 15 months, is uh, that there have been two models that have been um, coming, in and, and which we kind of feel very excited about because of the reasons that I'll mention to you in, in a short time. Uh, the, the the countries that you mentioned are very uh, important from a perspective of. Uh, driving innovation uh, in the digital space. Um, and what you're also seeing here is that the governments have played a very uh, important and positive role uh, in all the economies that that you've talked about. We, uh, we believe that the governments have realized the fact that the cash-to-cashless initiative uh, tries to... Uh, you know, achieve multiple objectives with one uh, such, uh, with the the initiative of moving from cash to cashless. So, for instance, the cost of this addition of cash is humongous. Second is that the uh, revenues that, and it's been proven time and again, that as the cashless composition of the economy goes up, there's a, a direct correlation with the GDP growth rate. Now, as you Uh, also start looking at the changing dynamics, particularly in the the countries like Saudi Arabia, UAE, India, and countries in Southeast Asia, there is a convergence of three things that's happening. One is the millennials. Uh, Second is the cost of ownership of a smartphone going down tremendously. And third is a very high social media penetration. What this then does is that it then opens up avenues of innovation wherein you are able to see that the entrepreneurs are able to reach out to much larger population. At the same time, they don't need to spend lots and lots of dollars or dirhams or Indian rupees uh, to get the minimum traction that they would require in the first part of their business.
0: From my point of view... That all makes sense, and it definitely you know goes in line with the narrative. But e-commerce is growing, digital economy is growing, but also there is a definite trust gap, and certainly in the UAE and Saudi Arabia, cash on delivery remains you know the majority of the of the way transactions are done here. Um, you know, on on average, you know, at least sort of seventy percent. Um, are, are are people using cash on delivery. And I don't think that's because people are unbanked in the UAE, at least anecdotally from what I've heard from a lot of people in e-commerce. It's actually because there's a lack of trust in a lot of the merchants, in a lot of the companies they're dealing with. They'd rather see the item or get the service before they actually hand over their money. So how do you cope with, you know, the, the, it just takes time to build that trust. And sort of off the back of that, does Amazon coming in immediately give sort of a steroidal injection of trust into the into the space? Uh,
1: so, you, so there are a few things that I would also try to uh, mention. Uh, when when you look at the uh, port, any portfolio approach, uh, yes, the figures do show that seventy to eighty percent is still cash. Uh, you have also seen in the in the recent years that uh, countries like sweden have completely uh, you know uh, moved towards cashless economy uh, countries like uk has now started seeing that cash is lower proportion as compared to the cashless economy what we will see in the future is um, and if i now try to nail it down to specific businesses uh, when TELUS started we we saw that uh, this was one of the most important discussion points that we had with our clients. Over the last three years, what we've seen is that these clients have, and these clients may not be just government, these are clients also in the private sector, uh, the proportion of the cash has gone down from 70% or 75% to anywhere between 50 to 55%. We are also seeing in certain verticals that the proportion of cash uh, is is gone down now to 30 or 35 uh, percent in the last three four three years, and especially those those customers that that uh, we have been um, uh, servicing. The important thing here, uh, Mustafa, is that the innovation comes with an ecosystem that that is, becomes less and less fragmented. So, for example, uh, the cash on delivery was. Uh, it does exist because there's no alternative. But we are all very clear that the time it takes for a merchant to get back the money in cash and delivery is, is is at least 10 to 15 times in terms of the period uh, as compared to a cashless mode of transaction. Second is that the cost of doing a cash-based transaction is much higher because what you do is you engage multiple people Uh, First of all, to reconcile the cash. Second is then someone has to go and deliver the cash in the bank. And at the end of it, there's again a reconciliation done. So the cost itself, uh, uh, you will see for merchants, is not something which is immaterial. You would see in the year 2013 and 2014, there were merchants in UE particularly, which had actually started uh, having a surcharge if, uh, if the uh, consumers preferred cash, so there was anywhere between ten to thirteen dirhams of surcharge if the if the consumers were preferring cash as a, as a uh, method of payment
0: i mean the vendor so, the vendor has the obviously the advantage when it comes to to using a digital payment transaction, but the consumer again it comes back right. to that trust gap, so you know what are those conversations that you have with your clients when it comes to being able to bridge that trust gap.
1: So we had uh, we had basically the uh, you know if 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 you term it in terms of a survey or in terms of a conversation with merchants, the three most important factors you would be very uh, you know, surprised to see that one of the topmost factor for becoming online is that uh, or, or making the consumers accept online payments is not the trust, but it is the method of convenience. And second is the awareness level. And then, of course, you have this perception that online uh, transactions are definitely uh, much riskier uh, than, than the offline payments. So, you will need to segment the, kind, the, the demographics of uh, the online population. So you will you will see that in the online population, for example, if you are uh, anywhere uh, uh, between 25 to 35 and 35 to 45, uh, you are already a person who has been using a device called a mobile phone as compared to a desktop um, for majority part of your life. Uh, the second is that if you really start looking at mobile phone, the mobile phone then makes you more comfortable it, uh, because you're spending more and more time uh, online, and this results in more social conversations. And it also means that you have more visibility of various services and products that, are, that you can see on the mobile phone. So that population that is there, that is actually more keen to not carry loads of cash in, the, in their pockets. Second is that they obviously do not have much time to look at the mode of settling in cash. For example, where do I meet you? Or do you have the change uh, when we meet? Well, I don't have enough change to do, to complete this uh, this transaction. Um, or I actually um, uh, can think about settling in cash a little later because uh, this is something I don't prefer.
0: You, again, so. you're, you're, you, I think demographics are with you, right? I think uh, trends are with yeah. you. Because, you know, the younger generation, the millennials are comfortable with it. And certainly in the future, as as people grow and, and they become sort of um, the the middle demographic, they'll be very comfortable with it. But I, I'm still sensing from the, you know, the sort of older generation now that that hesitancy. And it may not be because of, you know, the, a weakness in the digital payments ecosystem. I mean, I think that's pretty strong. But. Um, and I'll give you an example why, because both yourself and the co-founder of Teller, Elias Ghanem, you both came from PayPal, you yourself in Asia and and, and he in the Middle East. And PayPal's got such a good brand, it's almost like a bank these days, um, or even better than a bank. So, you know, I certainly have no issues with trust when it comes to PayPal. But it's the vendors that sit in the middle between the consumer um, and, and sort of the, if you like, between yourselves that are causing the trust issues um, here, you know, right. of defective goods or not delivering items or transactions failing or, you know, all kinds of problems. You know, do you? Do, where, how does your payment method help in terms of improving that aspect? I mean, what do you provide beyond we've got a great solution to getting the money? What about refunds? What about, you know, all the other things around it?
1: In fact, if you really look at uh, our role, our role is to work uh, with the other players in the ecosystem, particularly banks, uh, particularly schemes like Visa and MasterCard uh, or American Express. Uh, And what we uh, do is that there are two, uh, just to keep it very simple, when you as an online entrepreneur now are wanting to start accepting online payments, there is a KYC documentation process that is first uh, looked at by players like Telos. And uh, now this documentation obviously can become very tedious. Uh, there are certain countries where there's a verification done uh, by the bank personnel as well, which means that the bank's personnel actually go into, into the premises of, uh, of certain types of merchants to check whether they indeed are genuine, whether they have some existence, um, or Um, you know, to just cross-verify some documentation. In parallel to that, there are other checks done in terms of what are the consumers saying about the business of these merchants, whether it's on social media, whether there are certain international platforms which house a lot of information around the ownership structures of such merchants, whether they have uh, had some history in different multiple jurisdictions. um, And is that something clean or is that something that is not clean? Once this this kind of uh, information is retrieved um, uh, about the merchant and and and, and the documentation is collated, the banks then have their additional checks uh, in terms of uh, uh, you know getting into more details uh, on the background of the of the founders and of of the people who own the business. So at the time of the approval. Uh, While there is sometimes, you know, a little bit of frustration amongst the merchants where why is it taking so much time to get the approval, Uh, there are certain verticals which are prone to high risk and that's why uh, there are certain uh, balances put in place to do uh, the necessary checks before certain types of merchants are onboarded online and start accepting uh, online payments
0: more from Sirish Kumar and Business Extra in just a moment but first allow me to tell you about the Nationals other podcasts Beyond the Headlines takes a deeper dive into the biggest news from the week with a distinct Middle Eastern point of view an extra time from our esteemed sports desk is the best place to chat about the English Premier League and more Subscribe to both shows as well as this one on iTunes or find us as always at thenational.ae. You're listening to The National's Business Extra podcast from our newsroom in Abu Dhabi. Weekly, we provide insight and an additional analysis on the biggest business, economic and finance stories affecting us here as well as the wider region and the world. Today, we're talking to the CEO of digital payments company Teller, Sirish Kumar. If I jump to a sort of more broader, broader point of view, um, the, the, market, the market's growing. So we have, yeah. to, we have to say that we're making progress, that all these things, these know your customers, these checks, that as we become more sophisticated in different markets, that more and more people are paying online, mobile, digitally than they were before. I think the, the Arab world, I think this year, it's something like $20 billion um, in transactions. Um, it seems your forecast to take about a billion dollars of that. Is that correct? Or is that just in the UAE?
1: Yeah, this is just in the UAE that we forecast. And and uh, t- to your point about the 20 billion dollars, I think one of the things that I will say that uh, when we started looking at various inputs from the uh, from the, uh, the consultants and the various res- r- research reports in 2014, uh, the the best estimates were two billion and three billion dollars. Right. Uh, so the acceleration that has happened. Uh, is, is uh, unprecedented. Uh, the, this figure of $20 billion, for example, you see, I'll not be surprised that if after one year, this number actually for the same year of 2020 is, is put forth as $40 billion. Uh, so the important thing here is that the, uh, if you really look at the growth that is happening, the top f- uh, five markets uh, across the emerging markets that uh, will really leapfrog in terms of e-commerce our uE our Saudi Arabia our indonesia and and countries like india so we we also believe that we are in the right markets uh, where the growth has just begun, uh, and more importantly, what the governments have done is uh, they have started thinking about specific regulations to safeguard the interests of consumers to safeguard the interests of the merchants as well, and we think that uh, whether it's the central bank in India, whether it's the central bank in Singapore or the uh, Monetary Authority of Singapore, uh, and, uh, and the regulators in, in uh, UAE and, and Saudi Arabia, uh, we believe they are also way ahead of the curve uh, because they have continuously been connected to the various regulators across the world in the area of e-commerce. And, uh, and what they have been doing is coming up with regulations that enable the acceleration.
0: But it's, it, but it's also meant that there's been a huge, you know, sort of growth of fintech companies. And if I look at your space, and I, I look at the number of people who are trying to be sort of digital payment gateways or enablers of the digital ecosystem, Network International, CC Avenue, PayU, PayFort, then of course, you've got the big one PayPal. So, um, you know, they, can you all succeed? You know, is it growing fast enough with all this all this sort of fuel behind it to ensure that, you know, you know, that everybody can win? Or is it going to be a sort of quite a tough competitive battle out there?
1: So it, it is also uh, important, Mustafa, to understand uh, that uh, each one, the names that you mentioned, and in the future, the players that you will have, uh, each one will have a specific role to play and contribute. So, for example... Uh, where Teller is going is going to be a payment aggregator plus strategy, wherein what we do is we partner with, with various uh, uh, software management companies, uh, or we also partner with other ecosystem partners, which facilitate more than one kind of service to be given to the merchants, right? Yep. So, the, uh, it becomes more towards a service model than just a pure payment gateway model, right? Uh, the other thing that you will see is that, uh, as of now, the there are, if if you if I have to tell you visually, uh, there are three pies that you'll have to look at. One is a smaller pie, which is the online commerce, uh, which is where um, you know we have been focusing on uh, because of the uh, of the emphasis in the last two three years. But then you will also see uh, markets like bill payment segment. Uh, you will see B2B uh, segment opening up. Over and above these two segments, what you will see is many other such verticals that will come up, particularly in the, uh, the sharing economy space or in the space where you will also see more hotels and more education sector opening up. And this is, again, these are uncharted territories. These are sectors not yet uh, tapped by the payment companies.
0: And that's interesting uh, so, because you—I you, mean, uh, education. You wouldn't assume that there was some growth in education, but like, what? I mean, what? What are you seeing? Why? Do, why do we need digital payments in the education
1: sector? So, just take an example of UE. Uh, UE is is a, is a platform today of multiple nationalities, which uh, are are coming from different countries today. One of the facets of UE has been uh, to harness innovation to ensure that the best international practices uh, with the local element are continuously encouraged. Now, if you really look at education, for ironically, uh, today you have um, many international schools uh, in UE uh, wherein you're embracing expats and the children to be either teachers or, or students. Now, it is a very natural thing to look at and say how should actually be the payment done? Now, can I look at paying you by check, number one? Now, you and your wife or uh, your spouse is also today engaged in some of the work, and and they are uh, uh, double-income-earning families today. The process of just ensuring that we uh, do not forget to make payments on time, second, getting reminders from the school, and third, just having this this instrument of a check being a method of payment uh, is 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 not very effective and efficient uh, at the end of the day and i 'll tell you now from the school side or the college side, the process of collecting the check and then crediting in the bank and finally getting the money is is a, is a long time. We talk sometimes of Twenty days. Sometimes there are schools and colleges coming to us and saying it takes 25 to 30 days to finally get the money in the in the bank account from the time the check has been received. Now, in these times, uh, we should not have people sitting uh, in in the schools and colleges and universities uh, trying to chase the parents to to give the money. Second, then if I call you up and say, Hey, Mustafa, your your uh, fees for your child is is yet to be paid. And you say, well, I have already made that payment. So the the fallout of that is that there is no updated reconciliation process today, which creates a lot of friction between the parents and and the school staff. So in these times, it's important that uh, the nationalities that are used to working in a in a different style, in a in in a method that does not take away a lot of their time in terms of uh, you know. Uh, looking at the administrative point of uh, giving the checks and giving the payment of various fees, it is very, very essential that the schools, colleges, and universities uh, basically go towards digitization. Now, I'll give you a simple example. Uh, There has been a debate uh, in various governments uh, that we have been talking uh, in, in various countries. And very recently, for example, in India, there has been a uh, a regulation that has come in or a a mandate or a direction uh, where the government is saying that all universities have to accept uh, cashless payments in the the next few months uh, or move towards that very quickly. So the important thing here is that the fact that you can uh, accept cashless payments will make you look, uh, uh, will make you move towards being more efficient. Uh, Your instruments of checks will be gone you will have an automated reconciliation process and your cash flow cycle becomes much, much better, which also means that the scalability then is 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 not an issue. Today, for example, can I tap a student whose father is, let's say, in the United States? Um, how does he actually make the payment? Does he have to do this bank transfer, which takes like five or seven days to come? Or can it just be done through an online payment, right? So I think this is one of the... Very essential parts of UAE. Um, and please remember, UAE has now more than 200 schools and more than 100 universities, and it will continue to become a platform for educational institutes, uh, more and more of educational institutes to crop up in UAE and invite students from different parts of the world.
0: I mean, you mentioned India, and there's a lot going on there. We we had last year the demonetization, which shook up the economy. Um, in general, there's a lot of changes going on in that in that country. Um, but also, I notice when I look at e-commerce in, in India, it's almost a race to the bottom, um, you know, as the various big players operate there. But... You, again, you're, I, I talk to you about this because you sit in the middle of it all. And it, does it, is it a case of no matter who wins, no matter how it shakes out, India is moving towards a more digitally linked up economy and that can only be a good thing?
1: Absolutely, Mustafa. I mean, just, uh, just imagine that if uh, just three years back, Uh, There were almost 400 million people or 350 million people who were born in India but were not citizens of India. They had no identity. And today they have been given a Aadhaar card, which basically means that now they are true citizens of India. They have an identity which allows them to now be part of the transaction flow inside the country in an organized manner. And this has been a very significant change that, is ha- that has happened in India. And you s- you're now seeing that more and more such initiatives are being taken in different parts of the world. You're seeing many governments in Latin America doing this, and many governments in Asia are now looking at very specific initiatives around this. So the important thing that we will see here is that, uh, there will be uh, many firsts that will also happen. For example, uh, it, it has been a very rare thing to see MasterCard, Visa, American Express coming together and facilitating a QR code uh, method of payment in, in the country in uh, like India. So what you're also seeing is that the international players will have to Look at becoming relevant from, from a local standpoint very quickly. Otherwise, you will have local infrastructure and local systems uh, able to uh, to meet the requirements of a particular country. And the last thing there, Mustafa, is that uh, the the if you really look at the at your statement of whether uh, the it's an overcrowded market in the payment segment, uh, I believe that the journey of Uh, enabling digitization has just started and payments is one key component which will run through any vertical whether I'm collecting fees uh, on behalf of uh, a landlord or uh, or if the tenant has to pay monthly fees or is it uh, you know uh, look at diagnostic centers look at hospitals all of them will have to come to uh, come to be part of this wave of digitization and uh, from from this perspective, if you naming the players in this industry, we we can just count them in number of uh, you know in our hands. For example, in India, you don't have more than nine or ten true payment aggregators or online payment aggregators in such a large country like India. It's a, it's the same number. You will see that in UAE. So is that, uh, is that, uh, something that, uh, has a, is there a room for others to, uh, come in and, and innovate? Absolutely. And what will happen is that each one will finally settle down in a particular space in which they have to, uh, kind of sharpen their offering, uh, in, in of, of, to the market. But what you'll also see is that consumers for the next five, ten years will be given the choice of payment methods. So whether it's debit cards or online banking or credit cards or wallets or prepaid cards. But after five or 10 years, what I expect is that the consumers will themselves then make a choice of the preferred payment method. But as of now, it's a time to give more choices to them and let them then choose which is the big method that they, are, they perform.
0: Sirish, you know, I can, I can hear your passion. You know, you are a very passionate man when it comes to this industry and, and your company. And in May, uh, Teller did a Series B investment round. You, you raised around three million U.S. dollars. And, and how much was that passion a factor behind drawing those investors in? Did they, did they take, your, take your story on?
1: That's a, that's a good a good question. Uh, I, I I think I think uh, the investors uh, uh, we have done two or three rounds of investments already, and one of the things that we continue to see is the support uh, not only of uh, of how this company has to grow, but this is uh, these are uh, this is smart money coming into Teller, which is uh, primarily saying that. Yes, this is an industry and and a sector in which you have to focus on infrastructure, build the foundation strongly, and then look at having this multi-country strategy, uh, which allows you not only to connect the local buyers and local sellers, but also to help these sellers to reach out to the world. Uh, and, and I think we, we've uh, had case studies to show to our existing and new investors time and time again that how small merchants, uh, have grown over a period of three, four years with us as we have grown with them and how they have expanded from, uh, small, uh, start to what they made, uh, in UAE, for example. And now most, uh, many of them are international merchants engaging in more than seven to ten countries, uh, and growing rapidly.
0: What was your valuation in that round? What's the company worth?
1: So we, we do we do keep that uh, confidential, Mr. simply because I think uh, the the valuation is is more in the eyes of the of the person who is actually making the investment. Uh, but I think uh, to 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 answer your question uh, from a different perspective, uh, the for us the. Uh, it's not the valuation now that's very important for us. What is important for us is that when we require specific resources, whether it is support in terms of talent, whether it is support in terms of Uh, making the right strategic decisions of, should we enter a new country or should we focus on on a particular segment? I think this is where the the, uh, investors play a significantly important role. Uh, For us, I think – and it becomes a very uh, big distracting thing if we start – uh, looking at every step we make and what impact does it do on valuation? Um, so I think if, if you and I talk in the next one, one, one or one year or 18 months, uh, where what we are looking at is, uh, being a preferred financial partner for the SMEs in emerging markets. Uh, these emerging markets today do not have international players uh, with international practices, and I think we, we, we want to fill that gap.
0: In five years, Sirish, I hope you're buying your old employers at PayPal. That's what I hope for Teller.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. It's, it's a very encouraging comment, Mustafa.
0: And uh, thanks for talking to me, and, uh, and wish you best of luck, and, and hope to hear from you soon.
1: Sure. You take care, and uh, let's stay connected.
0: I'm Mustafa rawi and this is the Business Extra podcast. This week, we spoke to Sirish Kumar, CEO of Teller, about how e-commerce and the digital economy really has taken hold in 2017. I hope you've enjoyed it. Remember, for fuller coverage, you can also read, watch, and listen on the www.thenational.ae. Thank you all for listening. Subscribe to this and our other shows on iTunes. I'm Mustafa rawi Join us again next week.